and welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast of all of 2014. Yes, that's what I said. All of 2014. My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here, as I am joined here every year, by Kelly Wand. Uh, Kelly Wand? Yeah. Do you have a tagline for all of 2014? <laughs> um, it's not as good as your rush, but... <laughs> well done. I didn't think you would recognize that. How great. No, oh, rush is easy. Oh, all right. And it, it was you. It, the first number's fifteen. That's pretty inspired. So yeah. Tagline compared to that, it's pretty weak, actually. <laughs> but um, it's just about time in general, because that's what 2014 really is, if you think about it. It is about time in general. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I wasn't listening. But uh, <laughs> it's another quote from Willow Smith. Who I, his name I thought was Willa Smith. Really? Is that what we're doing? We're doing more Willa. We're doing more of the Smith kids. It's just one sentence. All right, fine. Go ahead. She's all. I mean, <laughs> this is Willa Smith. All right. That's my favorite. She talks. That's an awesome sitcom. This is Willow Smith. I mean, time for me, I can make it go slow or fast, however I please, and that's how I know it doesn't exist. Wow. Yeah. That's Willow or that's Jaden? It's Willow. I can never mix them up. All right. Fair enough. Jaden went on to add, it's proven that how time moves for you depends on where you are in the universe, but it's also such a thing that you can get lost in. And then Willow went, because living. And then Jaden goes, right, because you have to live. And then Willow went, it's the action of it. <laughs> Is all of that real, or are you trying to improv them right now? Because I love that, if that's true. I love it, too. And it makes me a little jealous, and it makes me want to maybe join Scientology. Because <laughs> I think they figured some shit out that I was wrestling with myself of late. It makes me suddenly want to get adopted by their family, actually. And they said that in 2014, so, like, that's their take on it. All right. So your tagline for 2014 is a Willow Smith quote about time. Yeah, whatever I said, it's the quote. Tagline. What a year it's been, Dingus. What a year it's been. Taglines for podcasting. Uh, It has been quite a year for podcasting, that is for darn sure. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, your tagline from last year was something like uh, the... the, uh, the Inca calendar was wrong again, or something like that. What? That is. Why would that be my quote for 2013? I don't know. Maybe that was 2012. Uh, that's a little, that's a little on the nose. I give that a C minus. If that was really what I said. God, I used to be really dumb. Thank God Willow Smith has redeemed my. I feel bad for Chris Markerson because he has to archive this dumb shit. Snap together, mate. I feel great for him because this is uh, this is pure joy for for Chris. No, it's not. It can't be. It is. So thank you for the tagline for 2014. Thank you to Kelly Wand and Willow Smith for yeah, giving us your tagline for 2014. I was like her, Jaden. analogy. <laughs> now let me ask this, Mr. Kelly Wand. Jaden was not in. Jaden was me. Wait, let me start all over, Dingus. I got a new tagline. Oh, good. Are we gonna are we gonna break down an analogy of where you fit in the Smith uh, in the Smith family? Leon. Yeah. 
he knew of the Smith Pantheon. Right. No, 2014, colon, we did it. <laughs> that's about movies. All right. I think, that's, I think that's as good as anything, because that's true. That's true. We did do it. We didn't have a choice, though. Oh, wait, that's part of my quote for 2015. I'll save okay. that. All right. Continue. What are we doing? Fucking podcast about top tens? Jesus. Uh, yeah, that's right. We are doing our uh, our top, our, our best of uh. all of 2014, <laughs> uh, our top ten movies for the year. Uh, now, to be sure, uh, in, uh, in every year that we've been doing this, and we've been doing this for uh. more than five years straight. Nah, wait. It's five... Yeah, you're right. It's about five and a half years we've been doing this, and maybe missed two weeks out of that entire time. It's like AA. It is. It's like that. We've got our badges for five years. Uh, This year, of course, we had a little bit of a bump in the road uh, because um, our leading podcaster, the the man who who started this whole thing, Tom Chick, uh, had to uh, take a bit of a hiatus uh, because he was battling health issues. And uh, so he asked us to continue doing because we were just going to say, well, do this. <laughs> no, he didn't make us do it. I know. Um, wow. Uh, we, we said, okay, we'll just wait till you come back. And he said, no, I think it's best that you keep going. And so we did. Um, <laughs> you agree with me. Shush. And, um, and it's worked out pretty well. We've done fine. Uh, but I, I don't think I'm um, speaking out of school when I say both of us uh, wait every week hoping that Oh, this is the week Tom will come back. Yes. Um, and we've been looking forward to this particular podcast, the top 10, the best of 2014, as sort of the mark when Tom will be able to return, because we didn't want to do this show without him. And we said, well, we'll put it off for a few weeks if he can't join us. Uh, and uh, it looked like it was it was looking good, but it just recovery for Tom. He's doing well. It's just taken longer than we thought. Um, and he just said, look, guys, uh, we've done it on the first week of every year. The first, the first show of every year is our best of show for the previous year. Let's not break tradition. It's week for you guys to wait. Do it. And so we said, okay, we'll do it. And here we are. So, uh, you know, as always, we wish Tom the best. He's coming back. He's doing really well in recovery. Uh, it's just taken a long time. Um, but on the upside... Z-Bone sent me his top ten list. When he heard oh, Tom's good lord. Are you kidding me? Z-Bone? Yeah, so he's going to fill in for Tom. So that's <laughs> exciting. I can't believe... what. Can Z-Bone even show up without Tom here? Cause his primary... No, he just emailed it to me. I'm just going to read what he wrote. He's All not right. going to show up and do the whole podcast. Or even All say right. anything. Alright, good. I, I had no idea this was happening. It's going to be weird since I've Figured out all the math, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, but I, you know, I'm a little perturbed that, frankly, to know that Z-Bone is showing up. But no, it's like at the end; it won't be like it's not part of the math part. You have to be a qualified member of the. Of the okay. Co- all right. Then, all right. That. All right. Then I feel a little better about that. Thank you for thank you for calming me down, Kelly. Wan, and talking. I know how meticulous the algebra is for all this. It's it's not algebra; it's calculus. At, at the very lowest, it's calculus, Kelly Wand. How dare you call it algebra? Wait, did you do it? Because Tom always does it. Uh, Tom uh, Tom got out a blackboard 
He put right. it up on this easel in our <laughs> living room, and he he went over for weeks. This is how you do the math, and he was like very Kane. careful. What'd you say? Like Michael Caine and Interstellar. Yes, like, kind, kind, kind of, kind of like, like Michael Caine and Interstellar. You were the Chastain erasing all what he did. Wait, I'll show you. Yes, I am the Chastain in this uh, in this analogy. I am the Chastain. Uh, I'm that black dude. Uh, congratulations. Okay. So anyway, maybe. before we get to the math, <laughs> Kelly, I just want to ask you something. Before we get to the math, before we start talking about our top tens, again, uh, and I haven't said this yet, let me make this clear to our listeners, those of you who might not be used to our top ten list. Maybe you just started listening to the show uh, this year, uh, and you're used to our usual format, which is we, we start the way we just started. Uh, we introduce the show. I give like a mini-opsis of what the movie is. We talk about the numbers of the week. Uh, Kelly Wan does this awesome uh, synopsis of the whole movie. Uh, but before Kelly Wan does the synopsis, we let you all know we're going into spoiler territory. And we're going to spoil the movie that we're about to talk about. Because one of the hallmarks of this podcast is, once we get to talking about the movie, once Kelly Wan goes into his synopsis, we're going to spoil everything about it. Because this movie, this, this podcast is really for folks who have watched that movie who don't mind it spoiled or who will never watch that movie say they're going to see uh they're going to listen to us talk about hercules um and they don't care if we spoil it but in this case for one time out of the year we are going to do our level best not to spoil the movies we're talking about because we're talking about our 10 favorite movies of the year that's my 10 favorite kelly's 10 favorite Zebone's going to come in here. We're not going to spoil them because, <laughs> obviously, since we're talking about the ten movies that we think are the best, that, that we liked most this year, whether or not we think they're the best, they're the movies we liked most this year. They're on our top ten list. We obviously want you all to see them. So we are not going to spoil them because, for us, we don't want movies spoiled before we see them. So we're going to do our level best to talk about them in such a way that doesn't spoil them for the spoiler verse. So for one show out of the year, we, you don't have to worry about spoilers. We're going to be very, very careful not to spoil the movies. But before we get to that point, Kelly Wand, do you have, because every week for most of this year, we've done this awesome new thing where you read a synopsis from the IMDb pages. And do you have an IMDb opsis for the end of 2014? I do. It's a real doozy. A listener sent it in. What? Yeah. Justin D. Hurd sent this one. It's Keeper. And did, I, did you make up that name? Justin D. Hurd. Justin D. Hurd. No, all our, all our listeners have cool names. Our listeners have the most awesome names. That is absolutely true. But Justin D. Hurd. Sounds like, you know, he listens to the podcast. His name is Justin DeHerd. We have a lot. He's It's like a name where you go, oh, that's his screen name. Yeah. All right. Roski. <laughs> <laughs> JK. All right. K. But you know what? I have a theory that Chris Markardson, the saint who does all our real work. Uh, does all our archiving. Yes. Our, all our archiving, which we don't do even. We're not even paying attention. Oh, no, no. But I remember he started doing that after I pronounced his name correctly. So that's all it takes. That's what what launched us into having an entire archive of everything we've done. That's why the archive exists, is because Chris Markard said correctly. I didn't even realize that. I guess you're right. You just pronouncing his name correctly made us... 
He's all, yes, somewhat like I was the first person who'd ever done it. I and mean, he did it at exactly the right point in our history. Exactly the yeah, right point. Was enough, well, there, was, there was like enough to archive and not too much to where it would just make him want to walk off a cliff. Right, right. But Justin D. Hurd, I'm hoping, my point is I hope, I hope I'm saying that name right too. But also I was going to say, I think I really want to encourage uh, listener submissions of IMDb's from now on. Even though I think before I was like, well, either way is fine. But now I kind of like if a listener sends in and it's something that they were like, dude, you got to do this one. Like it's it's usually pretty cream. <laughs> Don't Will you be the judge? All right. So go for it. This is the uh, the final uh, IMDb opsis of 2014. Kelly Wan, go. Yeah, Justin D. Hurd sending us off right. Um, okay, name the movie, Dingus. Stop me at any time if you think you know the title. <laughs> I don't think you've seen this. I haven't seen it. Okay. I didn't know it existed. Wow. That's your hint. So you know it's not zapped. <laughs> Mark and Sarah survive. <laughs> it always makes me laugh when the I, when the opsis begins with a character name. Yeah, it's it's not even it's not only that, it's Mark and Sarah survive. Like it's already opening with two people we don't know have already undergone something that the movie's not even concerned with. Alright, Mark and Sarah survive. Go ahead, keep going. Mark and survive, right. We're only four words in and it's already awesome. Mark and Sarah survive to the fire in <laughs> Wax Museum. <laughs> what? Comma. But Sarah is followed by a severed hand that kills her father. <laughs> know the movie, Dingus? Which Nolan is it? I believe it is Open Water. Oh. Wait, have you seen that? Never open mind. Water, of course. Did you see the second one? No. Uh, yeah. uh, Sarah becomes the prime suspect and goes to trial. Mark and Sarah search evidence to prove her innocence, and they go to Sir Wilfred's house. Jesus. They find a footage prepared by Sir Wilfred. <laughs> I think this one's a parody of my Life After Beth thing. With a puzzle based of the Alice and the Looking Glass. You want to say language barrier, but it's probably not. It's the sad part. They solve the puzzle and find a compass that opens portals through time. They travel to the most different places in time. It's like the Willis Smith quote. Seeking something... <laughs> Willis Smith wrote this. She said she's writing her own novels, so... All right, that, that would be an awesome way to write a novel, one opposite at a time. They tra- This is the last sentence. They travel to the most different places in time, seeking something to help Sarah in her trial in a dangerous journey. Right. The movie is Waxwork 2, Lost in Time. Courtesy wow. of I like that this goes along with your time theme. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that. Did you see Waxwork 1? Uh, I think Deborah Foreman's on it, if that answers your question. <laughs> it doesn't. I thought there was some sort of wax movie that had Paris Hilton in it that you had seen. Oh, yeah, I like that movie. Or, uh, uh, it's Elisha Cuthbert's the main chick in it, and Paris Hilton uh, gets a pipe shut through her face. That was cool. Um, but the ending's good. Like, the last 20 minutes, it, 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 
it really is a house of wax, Dickens. Oh, it's, it's not just a metaphor. Oh, okay, I see. I get you. I feel like I'm spoiling it. We said not to do this. <laughs> you said not to do it. I did say not to do that, and I will have to be the spoiler policeman as we go through this. It's going to be really hard um, because I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try. Yeah, I know, and uh, and I am too. Um, But when you're talking about movies that you're so excited about that they wind up on your top ten of the year, uh, it's very difficult to hold yourself back. Um, But when we do the pod, like both we did podcasts already about these movies, and that was where we kind of talked about what we all thought about it. So this will be. We did podcasts on most of them, but not all of them, I think. Are, yeah. are every one of your movies uh, movies that were on the podcast, do you think? Uh, there's only one that wasn't, but there were two, but then now there's only one. Okay. But, but th- th- we're like trying to t- get people to see these movies, so like we, wouldn't, we shouldn't want to spoil them, because we're going to like, you should see this, because it's on our top ten. Absolutely, absolutely. As opposed to, dude, what about that part? which is what we normally do. All right, so what we usually do is this this great little system that Tom came up with. It's just the, this methodology that we use uh, to determine how we're going to stack up the movies and how we talk about them. And basically, it's a very simple numerical system where uh, we, we get our lists together uh, from uh, number one to number ten, uh, and we assign them point values. So the, the number one movie on everybody's list gets 10 points. The number two movie gets nine <laughs> points. And it goes on down the list. And then you add up, you accumulate those points, and you look at which movies you're going to talk about. We start talking about the lowest point number movies first, because generally those wind up higher, basically, meaning the at the 10 point instead of like the number one movie of the year. So... Uh, that that's kind of our methodology. So we're going to do the same thing this year. It's going to be a little different because we're doing uh, two sets of numbers instead of three. Uh, but before we start doing that, before we get into uh, our number ten movie of the year, or uh, or the or the tenth highest scoring on our list, or the last highest scoring on our list, I should say, um, Kelly, what do you think about 2014 as far as movies are concerned? Like how many? good ones came out uh, i don't know because this that this is it's kind of like you're asking the same question about like to measure the the 10 best movies i saw in the 12 month period well no no i'm i'm just asking because because you you see and i've read a couple of articles where people and i, I don't read top 10 lists just as i don't read reviews but I, I haven't read any top 10 lists before we do this show and then, and then i'll go and read a bunch of articles after we do this just to see what people say but i've seen like a couple of things, a couple of articles start that say 2014 was a bad year for movies. They do? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the takeaway? Well, I'm just wondering if, if that's your takeaway, because I have, a, I have a very definite opinion about that. I think it was a shitty year for, like, blockbuster movies, like tentpole stupid movies. I thought it was really lo- – I think that's what maybe they're talking about. Wait, okay. first off, I thought we invented the top ten list. We did, and people have followed our lead. Oh, I mean, we've been doing off. this for five or six years, That's and true. folks have followed our lead. So now it's this this snowballed, and everybody else is taking credit for it. So you're absolutely we invented right. time, and Willow Smith's just commenting. Definitely, but it all depends on where you are in the universe, because you know whether or not a top ten <laughs> list was to, was invented by us depends where you are in the universe. 
The so you read at least one article that said 2014 was a a, a bad year for movies. I, I read at least one sentence that said that because usually I it's just like a headline I click on and then I'm like oh no I can't read that yet because I haven't posted my list yet or we haven't talked yet we haven't done our reviews yet or whatever. Um, I'm but usually, I, but I'm just wondering what you think about the year in movies before we get started. I thought I saw more good movies this year than I have any other movie, any other year we've been doing the podcast. Like it seemed like this was the year that I actually had to whittle movies out of my top ten, and usually I have to struggle to come up with ten. Right. That you guys will make fun of me for. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> uh, I am I am totally on board with you for that. I absolutely agree. This this is one of the first years I've actually had to whittle whittle movies, start whittling movies off my list before December starts, and that is weird. Uh, and and I still push to see a lot of different movies in December, right up until the end of the year, right up until today, as a matter of fact. Um, and other things moved onto the list and moved off. The list still changed, but this is one of the first years in recent memory, and I think we'll talk about this as we get higher in our list, where. So many things came out early in the year, and the, the release structure of movies is so different um, that we got a lot of high-quality movies early on. Um, and I think yeah. this I think this is a stunningly high-quality year for movies. But it's all random. I mean, like some of these movies were in production for years and years, and they all just happened to come out. Right, right. It is, it is all random, but... But we have also, to have some sort of way to, to judge them, and we go by what what movie get what when the movie gets released, what year in the United States. So we right. have to go by something. But I was also gonna. It's like internet headlines are just stupid. Like they don't really mean anything. Like no, no, no. They're designed to get clicks. But like, like consider the movie Margaret, which we all loved very much when we did it. Uh, but it, took, it it had been made like seven years before or five years before. There were several different cuts. It finally came out. There was no way to tell what the actual release date of the movie was. There's no way to figure out where you were going to put it on your list. Um, so you're right. There is sort of an arbitrary nature that, to this. But for for most in most instances, you can look at IMDb, for instance, and look at the release and see when did it come out in the USA in in a in some sort of release, you know, mostly wide release, and determine what the year is based on that. It's not always going to be the year that's in parentheses, but it is the year that that is actually the release on IMDb. Okay. <laughs> okay. But anyway, uh, while I agree with you that, that there is a certain random, randomness to this, I still think 2014 was a phenomenal year for movies. Well, yeah, and I would say that that, that quote, like, that 2014 was a bad year for movies, is dumber than anything Will Smith said. Okay, good. I'm glad that you said that. And maybe, this, maybe, I'm just, maybe that's a straw man. Maybe I just imagined somebody said that. I'd have to do the case, but there, it's like the headline will be, Scientists find tattooing, and then the story's like they found something with sand on it. <laughs> really far away. <laughs> it was Santa Monica. And then today, there, tonight I read one. It said, "Is a Death Star heading for Earth?" And they were talking about like an asteroid that might hit us a billion years from now, maybe statistically over fifty percent. And of like, wait, that's not even a Death Star. Like that's not where that phrase comes from. <laughs> so it's the same article, is what you're talking about. It is exactly. I am talking about the exact same article. All right, but moving on to our list. Okay, we are now going into our list. We are not going to do so with spoilers. We're going to be absolutely careful. Uh, the first movie that we are going to talk about 
is the only movie on our list to get one point. It is the lowest scoring movie on our list. Uh, and this is my number 10 movie of the year. And I would have expected this to get only one point if Tom were here or if five other people were here. Because I think I'm the only person who would have this on their list. Uh, and as I look back over my previous lists, I always have some sort of frivolous romantic comedy kind of thing in 10. I don't know why this winds up this way, but it seems to be the case. This almost got swapped at the last second today, but it did not. Um, only because I liked it more than the other movies. Uh, so my number 10 movie of the year is a movie called Begin Again. Uh, Kelly Wan, have you seen Begin Again? No, I don't even know what it is. Have you mentioned it? Um, I. It sounds familiar now that you're saying it, but I forget what you said. I have to say, I doubt. Begin that, again. I doubt that I've mentioned it. I really do. Uh, so anyway, it's begin again. Joyce. What'd you say? It's almost Joyce. It's like almost Finnegan. <laughs> begin again. Wasn't that an Albert? Ah, well, that's <laughs> yeah. Well done. No, this no, uh, this movie is directed by and written by a guy named John Carney. Uh, John Carney um, did one of my favorite movies from a couple years ago called Once. Uh, Once is this great sort of great uh, Irish musical. I don't know how to put it. Um, and this is is his American version of that that is more commercial, I guess you would say. Um, it's can't even call it a standard romantic comedy because it doesn't really shake out that way. Uh, but anyway, well, so it is because it's Irish. Yeah, well, it's not Irish. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's 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 oh. very it's it 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 has Englishmen in it um, <laughs> because Keira Knightley is in it. Uh, but but oh. any, anyway, when I talk about these movies, uh, what I what I tend to do is I talk about a quote that I loved from it, my best little miscellaneous thing that I loved from it. An image that I love from it and what makes it special to me. So the quote that I love from Begin Again is, okay, when can we uh, – no, I'm sorry. Okay, can we stop talking about cats now? <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. We've all uh, – every guy's thought that at some point, even cat. Uh, the, other, the other quote I love from it is, you know I wasn't actually trying to win you over. I was trying to tell you to fuck off. Um, so I uh, – okay, so the so – the best miscellaneous thing that I would choose from Begin Again is there's this great moment that brings tears to my eyes every time I see this movie. Um, and so the, there's this character named Greta, who's this young musician who's come to the States, played by Kira Knightley, and Dan, who is this older divorced dude, played by Mark Ruffalo. Uh, and they get into an argument on the street, because they're just, just about to sort of get into this business recording relationship, where he's, he's trying to get her to record something for him. Uh, and they get into this argument, and he screams at her. Uh, and it's this very emotional thing about his family and what, and how she's judging him. And he storms off down the street. He's just tell her, telling her basically, you don't know a thing about me. You don't know anything. And he walks off. And the camera fixes on her face as she's just shocked that he's just told her off. And in usual romantic comedy, we sort of fix on her face for a while, and then we cut to the next scene. Uh, but instead, and this is fairly early in the, early in the movie uh, – these two are just friends. They're just, they're just barely friends. Um, and the camera focuses on her, and then it looks down the street to where he's almost disappeared at the intersection, and it shows her running down toward him and grabbing him from the back, just like hugging him around the back, almost like a lifeguard. Not, it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a sexual moment. It's this, it's this moment where she's almost 
rescuing him, where she's almost doing this again, this sort of weird lifeguard thing. And that little, that little miscellaneous moment is something I am just crazy about in this movie Begin Again. You're making me want to see it, so I'm glad. Well, you know, I I hope you will, but I I think mostly uh, the two of you, you and Tom, would kind of dismiss this as a as a little bit. I don't know, pap. I don't know. Um, That might. Well, those lines you quoted weren't pap. No, they're not. It. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, there's even like this this modern Manhattan iPod moment. That's my favorite image from the movie. It's this beautiful, quick little visual quote from Manhattan. It's just really quick. It's not like a long, lingering thing. It's just really quick. Um, so any, anyway, what, what makes Begin Again special to me is is that this movie has this understanding of music, uh, in particular pop music. Uh, I want to be clear. This movie is about is kind of about pop music or about modern pop music and, and where it's going and where it is and, and how it's distributed and those kinds of things. And it, it understands what the love of music means to people who make it and sell it and consume it. Uh, the, the first scene has this quality of being played over and over and over again um, in, the, in the movie and being built on uh, – as you understand what's going on and, and what the movie seems to understand is in, in the way that you, if you hear a song multiple times, you start to fall in love with it. Um, and, and how that works. Uh, it, it, I mean, this movie just has an understanding of how pop music works and also an understanding of how, uh, love and relationships and families work. Um, so, uh, I, I I'm just I really really liked it. It's it's kind of a light. It's 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 the lighter one of the lighter picks on my on my list. Um, so anyway, begin again. So because something's light, does it disqualify it? Like that's what the fucking Oscars do. That irritates me, and that's why like comedies never win. Even though comedies, comedies harder to do than drama, in my opinion. But they never win Best Picture. So it's like something being light. Like you should promote that thing higher up your list, even though right. I haven't seen it. Right. Is it about two people? When you said you cry every time you see it, how many times have you seen it? Uh, I've seen it two or three times. Uh, but the, that one scene where where she, I mean, I mean, when you're, in, you know, that moment when you're in an argument with with somebody you care about, um, and they they say something that shuts you down, and they walk off, and you let them walk off, uh, and then you decide to be the one who who gives the warmth, who goes and says. I, you you've just insulted me, but nevertheless, I'm going to reach out to you. Uh, that that moment, he's said he's just shut her down, and she runs down the street and just wraps herself around him. And it and it's this this and I, I just love the way this movie develops and the way the relationship develops between Karen Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. It's really well done. Also, there's an awesome rooftop scene. It's it it just has such a cool construction and the music. Uh, in this movie has stuck with me all year long. The music is just great. But again, it's very poppy. It's much more poppy than once. Uh, the music for once hits me a little deeper, but uh, but the music from Begin Again has stuck with me all year long. Hmm. When did it come out? Uh, it came out way, way early in the year. Okay. So Tom, anyway. Tom saw it and didn't like it, or Tom, you just... Um, I don't think Tom has seen it. Top 10. Right. I don't think so. Uh, no, um, I don't think so. 
So anyway, so our 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 next Lois. movie that we're going to talk about, we're 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 in sort of this weird situation where uh, both of these movies uh, on our lists uh, come in at two points. Okay, there there there's a movie from my list and a movie from your list. They both come in at two points. They both come in at number nine on each of our lists. So since I've just gone on and on and on about my number ten movie, we're going to talk about your number nine movie, Kelly. And what is your number nine movie, Kelly? Wait, it's your number nine too? No, no, no. This is not on my list. Um, uh, our, the the movies that came in at two points oh, are, I, are only on each of our I, lists. Okay, right. But they're, they're they're both at at the number nine point. But your number nine movie is what? <laughs> it's higher rate at the beginning. Again, is is the math reality? Absolutely. Your number nine beats out Begin Again hands right. down. My number nine movie for 2014 is the David Wayne comedy, They Came Together, <laughs> which you and Tom didn't finish watching. And in fact, you you were doing lines from it because you hated it so much. I eventually was forced to finish it. Why? Because I, I liked it, but I wouldn't expect you to finish it. I'm surprised that you kept going. Uh, because I was shamed into doing so, and so I did so. I did watch by the me? whole thing. By you, uh, by my girlfriend, uh, by the Wait, fact that like, Tom, your girlfriend liked it. Yeah, and by the fact that Tom eventually saw the whole thing, and uh, I felt like, wait, I've only seen fifteen minutes of this, and Kelly can't stop talking about it. I better watch the whole thing. So this is your number nine movie of the year. Tell us why they came together as your number one movie of the year, number nine movie of the year. They Came Together was my ninth favorite movie of the year because I thought it was the funniest movie I saw last year. I immediately wanted to watch it again, which is, I think, only true of two movies on this list. And it reminded me in a heartwarming way of Get a Life because Get a Life did for sitcoms what They Came Together does for rom-coms, which made me feel nostalgic for Get a Life, kind of, I think. A show that's very dear to my heart. I don't even know what Get a Life is. What? Come on, Diggus. I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. What is that? Uh, it was a sitcom starring Chris Elliott. The, um, he's like a paper boy. Oh. Charlie oh. Kaufman wrote two episodes of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that the one where he's like stuck in a submersible with his father and yeah. just the whole Jaws thing? Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Which oh, so it's, 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 it's a send-up of sitcoms? Well, David Merkin, who'd worked on Newhart, like it was like a bunch of guys who'd worked on sitcoms before, and so they they made this sort of hostile to sitcom show. Okay, and it's brilliant. Like it's funny. That's the thing. It's like uh, comedy so subjective. And I agree. Your girlfriend who works at NASA thought they came together ruled which you deliberately suppressed telling me till now and i love to know that there's uh, i don't know that i admitted like, that exactly i just you said, never mentioned that to me i just that, said she made me watch it i didn't say she, she loved you it. Finishing it i didn't say that i don't know what you're talking about you're what? gonna have to you're gonna have to talk to her about that i cannot speak for her point being someone who works at nasa thought they came together is a good movie or at least worth finishing which is enough for me to put it on my number nine but all right good 
So your number nine is They Came Together. Do you have any other wonderful things to say about They Came Together? I'm not going to say anything bad about it because on our top ten lists, we don't do that. Um, but is there anything wonderful? You can. Wonderful? No, I don't want to do that. I want to assail your your top ten picks. Well, I mean, I don't – I mean, you're – I mean, I don't mind if you do because it's, it's already the number nine anyway. Wait, you assailed my – King's speech pick a few years back. I never did so. How dare you? Ah, uh, I'm not saying you weren't justified. Look, we might have snickered when you picked Silver Linings Playbook as number one, but I don't. No, think I keep anybody... that one. I stand by that one. I have no regrets. But Wait a minute. Do you regret King's speech? Eh, a little bit. All right. Because I think that was the same year that I forgot Fish Tank somehow. Oh, all right. Like I didn't, and then I that I couldn't get over it. I was like, ah. But which year was Animal Kingdom? Because if that was the same year as King's Speech, I'm really it might it might be too. That's how stupid I am. This is the thing. I'm not qualified to make top ten lists. That's my point. It's not the lists are dumb. It's that I'm dumb, and I pity Chris Margaretson. <laughs> I'm going to type this shit out. <laughs> um, uh, they came together, made me laugh plenty of times. Really? But the, just, after just when we get to the bar scene where it's like uh, come come again, tell me about it. Uh, I just I yeah. that didn't work did for me. See, did you see the too many cooks video? Uh, I sadly I did not. I know I was supposed to, but I did not. Oh well, just because it's like what one person like. All right, I get it already. Like, and the other person's like, no, it's funny because it's this long and stupid. If it was shorter, it wouldn't be this funny. Well, a ton of people liked that video, so uh, I think there's there's a place for that. So I I respect the fact that you uh, that you uh, chose they came together. Good for you. And also, it's like this this is my agreement. Like I think we are one in that you went with begin again, but mm-hmm. felt weird about it being light. But like this is my light choice. Like this was the movie that made me actually laugh. And I don't I'm not an easy laugher either. So. Well, I'm a totally easy laugher, so I can never I can never mark a movie by how much it makes me laugh. But nobody ever laughs at the same stuff necessarily, which to me is what's so interesting about comedy and jokes. It's like, yeah, yeah I agree. Like that joke killed, but this audience hated it. Like it's so. But while I was with a drama, it's like it, everyone usually agrees on it. So but when I'm in a theater and I'm laughing out loud and I have a really loud, obnoxious laugh, I never care if other people are laughing. It doesn't bother me. The most you've ever laughed. That I've ever seen in a movie was Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, and that's why it wound up on your list that year. Yep. Your laugh. So speaking of which, uh, movies that uh, maybe you will get in trouble for putting on your list is my number nine, um, which also got two points. And I know I'm going to catch a lot of grief about this, and that's fine with me because I've watched it a couple of times. And it really holds up for me. And this movie, my number nine movie of the year, is Edge of tomorrow that's fine that's or as it has been repackaged live die repeat i don't like that i regret i wish they hadn't done that well, edge of tomorrow we all agreed at the time is a terrible name yeah uh, but i don't know that live die repeat is any better no it's not uh, that's what i've decided after thinking about it but but this movie for me proves that uh that poor marketing and poor labeling doesn't really matter because and i've watched this a couple of times and i just watched it a couple of nights ago, because I'd watched a couple of really heavy things um, in in getting ready for list time, and so I, I just like well, I, I want to watch something that 
I think is a little lighter, a little uh, a little more action oriented. So let me watch Edge of Tomorrow again. And God, I just love this movie so freaking much. So my my favorite quote from this movie is, "I wish I didn't know you, but I do." Um, and uh, my best little moment is is. Uh, is there's this moment where where Tom Cruise uh, is he's playing Cage. Uh, he has this little smile on his face once he gets past the armored truck. He rolls underneath the armored truck, pops up, and he <laughs> runs alongside. And he has this little smile on his face, and it's such a great little quick little look. And um, uh, you know, at, at first when we when he, when we did the podcast, I made this like this. I think fa- this facile observation of it being like a video game level, um, but. I, I think um, I think I think there's more to it than that. I think there's more to that moment than that because because as you think about what he's going through on this this day, and you wonder like how can somebody stand to do that over and over and over and over and over again? Because you know, Edge of Tomorrow is sort of like a science fiction Groundhog Day, as many people have said. These little victory moments where he gets past something. It, has got to be what keeps him going as a human being, as a human being who's going through this every day. Uh, and so I just love this. Um, I, I, I am, I'm crazy about this. What makes it special to me is, is the movie's editing. I mean, the, the directing's great. Doug Lyman does a great job directing it. But the editing uh, by James Herbert and um, Laura Jennings uh, is what really makes this special. And for me, watching Edge of Tomorrow and watching how they, these two editors and the, working with the director, no doubt, and I'm sure Tom Cruise was in the room too because that's what he does. Um, he has that power and more power to him. He knows what he's doing. Um, they, they, make these gr- they make this great sense of stakes, and that was my argument when we did the podcast, how, how great the sense of stakes are in this movie. Um, and, and then and, – and then, how that is amped up again in the third act, which I know a lot of people hated. But so my number nine movie of the year is Edge of Tomorrow. Well, I liked it too. Tom was the one who he was the detractor on that one. Yeah, yeah, he really, really disliked it, and uh, I respect what he had to say about it. But uh, well, he uh, used the word disgusted because he he yeah. thought she got sidelined too much. But so, I thought that was a weird. I disagreed with that. Well, when he listens to this, he's going to give me total shit, and that's fine. See, both uh, our number nines is why we Tom's gonna head's gonna explode. Yeah, and when when I figured that out, when I did the long calculus and math to figure that out, I, it made me hugely smile. So our, the next movie we're gonna talk about is is uh, is only on one of our lists. It is your number eight movie of the year. Uh, tell us about your number eight movie of the year, Kelly Wand. Oh, the Baba Duke. The Baba Duke. It's kind of like see. It's sort of like they came together in that I can't really explain why it works. It just does. Um, like, they came together is funny to me for reasons that... I think it's just the script, actually. It's not like they came together. But the Babadook was consistently creepy. Um, it grew... And I loved how the entire plot grew entirely from the characters. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's an amazing child performance, I've decided. It's excruciating to watch at the time, but it's deliberate. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that kid's performance. Is that what, what took it off? Your t- like, it's too annoying to put no, it kill us? Not necessarily. It, 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 I, I really liked the movie. Um, uh, and I especially like uh, what Tom wrote about it and what we kind of yeah. missed about it. Um and I would encourage folks to 
to watch the Babadook and then look at our look at the the thread for our podcast and scroll down to what Tom has to say because I think he makes a really really uh, incisive point that I think we missed about the um, unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. One, I was looking. I was grasping. For I wasn't sure if you were trying to avoid spoilery. No. Uh, not at all. I just couldn't find the term. So, uh, so if yeah, you... he might have nudged it up. Like reading what he wrote might have made me like it more. Like I, these are all movies that stayed with me for whatever reason. And the Babadook was probably going to stay with me anyway. But reading what he wrote sort of crystallized why I thought it was a really, really effective movie. And it's hard to do that. Those effects, right? Because um, you think it's a movie like Orphan or Rosemary's Baby, where it's just, um, which are both really good movies, um, right? Right. But they're about women who uh, are right, and no one believes them. But the Babadook's not like that, and I think that's well, what... Yeah, don't, don't say too much more about it, but... It's Babadook, just an original vision. It is a very original vision, and it has a great shift as it goes through it. But the but the kid's performance is really tough to take, um, but it's fascinating the way it unfolds. So I, I totally respect it as a choice. It's just not one that made my list. Uh, it's uh, another thing. I mean, I, every movie makes uh, the list for different reasons. But I was thinking, like Edge of Tomorrow. Like I read a book after that called after I'd seen the movie called Rogue Moon, mm-hmm. um, by Algis Boudris. That kind of like a similar premise where it's like a death machine they find on the moon and they can't figure out what's in it. But so they send up guys. They can teleport guys to the moon. And then it kills them, and then they, it's like Tom Cruise's thing where he, he advances a little bit at a time. Um, That's really unfair. Yeah. All right, so next on our list of things we are going to talk about is another of your movies, Kelly Wan. This, is, this, uh, this movie uh, garnered four points because it was um, fairly high on your list, I think. Well... Uh, oh no! It's the next. Uh, it's the next movie after um, the Babadook. What is your number seven movie of the year, Kelly Wand? My number seven movie is a Most Wanted Man. I, you know, I actually I had that on my list of alternates, and I forgot to go back and look at it again. Why did that wind up as your number seven? Um, Rachel McAdams riding the bike was good. <laughs> okay, good. But it was also one of the best performances I think I ever saw of Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I, out of someone who's given us so many great performances too, um, right? I really was invested in that character, and he he was kind of like a John. Le- Wait, that was a John Le Carre novel, wasn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think so, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's right, right. He's still alive, right? That was a 2008 novel. Okay, right. I'm being right. dumb. It's okay. Um, and so that that was one of your favorite performances then yeah it was one of those movies where kind of like the Babadook like it sits well it sat well with me after I left the theater okay yeah I remember really really liking it too and I especially loved Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance and I thought all of those things worked well together I just totally forgot uh, or I didn't forget. I just had it lower down, and it never. Again, when we get to the end of this, I'll say that I, I must have had 
I, I can't even count the number of movies that were on my possibles. Um, so Most Wanted Man, very good choice. Uh, the next it's, movie we're going to talk about wound up on both of our lists. Um, and this was uh, actually tied with Most Wanted Man for four points because it wound up as number 10 on your list, but it wound up as number 8 on my list. So I get to talk about it first because it's higher on my <laughs> list. And that's the way that works. And okay. so this, this movie is the movie Enemy. Uh, and this is a movie that we saw basically because Tom insisted that we see it. Um, and I'm so happy he did because I, I was crazy about this movie. I think I must have seen it two or three times before we even did the podcast. Um, uh, my, my favorite quote from the movie is, the first time it was a tragedy, the second time it was a farce. Um, uh, my best miscellaneous thing about the movie is the book ending size, which is something that I came up with as as I was like writing writing about the movie. I realized that there are these two sides that the main character does at the beginning and end of the movie that really sort of make bring the movie into focus for me as far as far as it can. Um, and wait, two uh, what? I don't understand what you said. Size, like <sighs> oh, size, S I G H, yeah, size. Uh, and, and that seems like an odd thing to bookend a movie with, but if you watch the movie a couple of times, you see the way he sighs um, at these two points in the movie that are crucial, uh, that I love. I love that about it. Um, and so I'm not sure what to, what to, to say about this movie because um, – I think you know Tom talked about the, one, of, one of the things that was interesting about this when we did the podcast for the for the movie Enemy, is is unlike most podcasts, we Tom opened it by reading a piece he wrote for the front page of Quarter to Three. Uh, he had written a mini review of Enemy, and he just basically read that review, um, which I found fascinating because he kind of he kind of uh, discussed the movie as if it were a puzzle. Um, I think that's how he put it. Mm-hmm. Not quite sure, uh, but I think that's how he put it. Um, and so, uh, I've seen this movie a few times, and I've read Tom's piece a few times. And I would encourage listeners to do both of those things. If you can, if you can watch the movie a couple of times, uh, read what Tom wrote about it, listen to what we have to say about it. Um, the thing is, that this movie is is put together so well. Uh, it, it's it's so well directed and edited. Um, I, it's so well shot in this weird way that made me forget that I was. Uh, it made me kind of think, what time period is this? I don't even know what time period this is, and I forgot they're using cell phones while I'm watching the movie. It's, it's a weird thing that happened for it. Well, so um, so just watch the movie for how well it's put together, and then come to your own conclusions about what it means. Because I'm not going to say anything else about the content of it. Uh, I just think it deserves to be watched. Um, on, on those merits of, of understanding that it's something that you put together as you watch it. See, I like that. And I, I think Tom, I think what you said, that Tom's essay did make it sound like a puzzle, which, and maybe he would dispute what I'm about to say, but the thing that was to me really cool about Enemy and the reason why it's on my list is um, I think it's open to several interpretations that may work equally well. Like, I think it can be about totalitarianism. And it can be about marriage, and it works as a metaphor for both of those. Like okay. puzzles, usually only have like one solution, but I think that's what spoke to me about enemy. Is it encouraged me to find other ways to uh, 
to view it because it was written. Tom's piece was written like he he he's big on um, disregarding source material when you think about a movie. But right. This was based on a book written about like during a period of revolution or something. Maybe I'm completely fucked on that. <laughs> but Tom was very specific about what he thought the movie was about when he unpacked it on the podcast. Um, right. After we I think we were all pretty specific about what we thought the movie was about. I just like I, I just like reading his essay. So what, what yeah, I would yeah. say is, is that folks who haven't seen it, we really encourage you to see Enemy, listen to our podcast, and and you'll hear Tom actually read that out loud. Uh, so you'll get a sense of what we're talking about. Um, you know, I have no idea if it will wind up on his list. We're not you know we're not including anything on his list because you know as much as we reference him and talk about him we don't want him to you know we don't want to read his stuff and him feel like why don't i get a voice in this so we're we're just talking about him because he's such a you know an important part of of what we talk about when we talk about movies and so, since, since he made like he was like you guys got to see enemy so it was like kind of a tom like we may not have seen it or done a podcast right. if he had like and so my, and my hope is that you know he he's you know he'll write up his list and he'll post it on the front page and you'll see what his top 10 movies are and he'll talk about them in writing which is his you know his primary voice anyway um but uh but i love the way you put that kelly and i love the idea of folks actually being able to hear him talk about it by listening to that podcast um but yeah i'm i'm crazy about enemy and i don't you know and get and gyllenhaal's so good in it yeah he's shocking He's really shocking. And in fact, my, one of my favorite images of the year is him trying on sunglasses. Do you know I mean, it's just this weird yeah. – there's so many little moments in that movie that are so great of him just doing weird little things that are like, what What the hell? Uh, he does such a great job, and I don't want to tell you anything else uh, about the content of the movie or about what he's doing in it other than to say he's great in it, and it's so worth watching. Um, it's – it's really it's just oh my god it's such a great little gem and so few people got a chance to see it that's what's you know so frustrating and it was directed by a guy named Denis Villeneuve uh, and I know I'm saying his name wrong I, I, I know I've been taught how to say his name right um, but, uh, but he directed something called I think uh, Prisoners the year before in which he, oh it's that guy yeah but, uh, but he did Enemy and he's just, it was just sort of it was just revelatory yeah all right, so he made enemy after prisoners. That's it. you'd think it'd be the other way around. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. Go figure. Go figure. Right. This is the right. next what? Coming up next is a movie that was only on one of our lists. It's the next highest scoring movie, and it was only on your list, Kelly. And this is your number six movie of the year. What would that be? That my number six movie is Foxcatcher. And even as I'm thinking about it, I kind of almost want to nudge it up because I really liked that movie. Oh, all right. Um, well, tell me why you like it so much. Because it, it, my... it didn't, it really didn't work for me. I was really frustrated with it, and I'm really excited because I don't remember uh, doing the podcast how much you liked it. So I'm really excited to hear what you liked about it. Uh, I thought I had the best performance I saw this year, which was Mark Ruffalo's. Okay. Um, I loved. It's one of those movies where in the and I felt like I was the only. I saw it in a packed theater and i felt like i was the only person having this reaction to it but that's a legal move like i was laughing a lot in the first act <laughs> and then the third act I was just going oh and just being horrified depressed mostly and it takes a lot for a movie to, to take me through those stages um 
You mentioned, though, something in an email that I was curious about where, uh, to bring Tom back into it, something about how I mean, you made some comment. I wasn't sure if it was a non sequitur or it was something that actually happened where Tom said we'd missed the point of Foxcatcher. Was that like a real thing verbatim or is that just like uh, – That happens phrase? in a conversation and um, I will not say anything more about okay. that. Because uh, I want to hear more on that. If he wants to say something about it later on when he comes back or if he wants to write about it, if it winds up on his list, that's up to him. Uh, but but his insights in it were uh, were definitely interesting to me. Because I thought I got Foxcatcher. That's one of the reasons I liked it. Like I thought it was making a commentary about America. Okay, how, how so about America? What do you mean? Um, that back in the day, um, we used to wrestle, and then it just takes one fuckwad with a gun to ruin everything. Okay. And um, I've had at least two friends of mine, both of them women, um, uh, write to me and say uh, that they don't understand why everybody's paying such attention to Mark Ruffalo. Because I agree with you, Kelly. I, I think Mark Ruffalo's performance is um, the anchoring performance of that movie. Uh, but I've had at least two friends, and maybe more, uh, say to me that I, they don't understand why Mark Ruffalo is getting so much attention when Channing Tatum is the one who is the really important performance of that movie well he's good in it too and he's the main character of the movie so it's not just that it's it they they would object to you saying well he's good in that too they they don't understand why i mean they think it's a tour de force by channing tatum uh, well it's weird that you're getting you're hearing that because i remember at the time it was like steve carell was getting all the attention and right we were the ones going no mark ruffalo's the best in it right it's just Steve Carell's getting all he he has the prosthetic nose and he's like he's the comedian and now he's in a dramatic role. He's tricking us while as Mark Ruffalo is doing some serious awesome acting out there. Channing Tatum's good too. This is the thing, right? I think Mark Ruffalo's character he's not in the movie much. I'm trying to avoid spoilers here. Yeah, it's a movie about Channing Tatum's character. Mm-hmm. Um, your your friends may be right because Channing Tatum is playing a type of character that is usually overlooked in a performance when you play that kind of character. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good way to put it. Actually, he's not acting; he's just like that, obviously. And his physicality is amazing. But yeah. I think I think both of them are. Uh, I guess I just you know as much, and I love Channing Tatum. Yeah. I'm a huge Channing Tatum fan, don't get me wrong. But I didn't recognize Marco. Like he looked he looked the most different of the three of them and I've never seen him move like that. Like I've seen him in a bunch of movies and I've never seen Yeah, I haven't seen that either, but I think he, I think he grew up doing some of that, so he knew how right, to do no. it. Yeah. And that came across. Um but I just thought it was a great movie. Like and I hate biopics, but I didn't know anything about It's best just to go in cold. Yeah, probably. All right, so the next movie on our list um, is actually another tie. Uh, both of these movies got six points, and both of them wound up as number five, but they're two different movies. So I'm going to talk about mine first, okay? Uh, my number five movie of the year um, is uh, – we're, so we're, we're kind of getting into our top five here um, – my number five movie of the year is a movie called 
Nightcrawler. Ah. See, I was eyeballing the two Gyllenhaals. Yeah. Oh, you put it above Edebay. Or wait, did you? you oh, did. yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler had much more impact on me um, than, uh, than Enemy. I love Enemy, don't get me wrong. But Nightcrawler, I just think, uh, I don't know. I'm okay. So the, uh, my favorite quote from Nightcrawler would be, "What if the problem isn't that I don't understand people, but that I don't like them?" <laughs> That's such a good quote. Um, I love that character. Yeah. Okay. Can I change my list? You're kind of waiting me over. No, no, no. You've, your list is perfectly cromulent. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, I, I love that character so much, and I love again. This is this is one of those things, and uh, I cannot believe how awesome he has turned out to be this year and last. But that Jake Gyllenhaal winds up in a couple of my favorite movies this year, and largely because he's in them and he's doing such an amazing job in them. I mean, his performance makes this movie. He's you know he's so gaunt, he's so hollowed out looking. Uh, he he just looks like this feral animal in a lot of cases. Um, there's this great moment. My best little miscellaneous thing is when he mentions uh, uh, he mentions R- Rene Rousseau's apartment, where he says something about the things we do in your apartment. Uh, he never follows up on that. That's never followed up on. It's just a thing that happens, just laid out there. Uh, I would say my best, my favorite image, but it's a spoiler. So um, the thing that make, makes Nightcrawler so special for me. This is a really weird thing that happened to me when watching Nightcrawler. Um, is that it? Um, at first, it fell into this social network uh, area for me, where uh, I couldn't care less about the social network, even though it's a well-made movie, because I don't care about the drama surrounding Facebook. Yeah. As far as Nightcrawler is concerned, I thought as I was watching, I was like, "Who watches the local news?" I know one person who watches the local news. My dad, the only person I know in the world who watches the local news, and yet this movie—that doesn't matter. This movie creates a world where that exists, and it creates this bubble where that's important. And we just, by the end, we just accept that—that that, that is. This this Los Angeles that it's that creates and it creates Los Angeles as a character. It, it creates a world where where that is important and and the movie exists within that world. And knowing that doesn't really matter. What matters is what the characters do within that world. And watching what they do within that world is freaking fascinating. Um, the the acting is uniformly excellent, and Jake Gyllenhaal in particular is amazing. So uh, that's why Nightcrawler winds up as my number five. Uh, it's a great choice. Um, it's I thought it was similar to Foxcatcher in that it's about how things are becoming more venal and the way that what you said is a telling point. Like your dad's the only person you know that watches local news, so it's like. Exactly. It's like Jake Gyllenhaal's generation is catering to your dad's. And so is Rene Russo. She's catering to it, too. She's so good at it, too. Uh, I think the reason this didn't make my list was uh, his... I started disbelieving in the sidekick character. Oh, I, oh boy. I could not disagree really? more. Really? Yeah. Did you disagree that? This is something I thought about, and it's just – I think he – that guy should have seen the writing on the wall a little sooner. What do you mean? Well, actually, no. Don't don't tell it's me what you mean. Spoilery, but – Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't tell me what you mean. 
but I think that I think that character and I think that actor, uh, I think it's Riza Med. Uh, I love that. I love that element of it. Um, and I think their dynamic in particular, the dynamic between Riza Med and Jake Gyllenhaal's characters is amazing. I liked it at first, then I kind of, I just couldn't, I stopped believing in him, and he seemed like a, he just seemed way less realistic than what Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo were. Oh, okay. They, they, I really both believed in both those characters, and, and, and Jake Gyllenhaal is like a completely original creation. Like, yeah, I, he's supposed to represent something in society, like it always should be more than that. it should just be an interesting character anyway, and I think he definitely is. Uh, but where his relationship with Rene Russo kind of got more interesting as the movie developed, I thought that other character is really critical to what's going to happen. Um, but it's sort of not. I can't be spoilery. I'm trapped, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. To a corner here. No worries. I, I would just say that I, I disagree with that. I think as 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 uh, Riza Med's character develops, he becomes more interesting to me. Uh, I thought but, it became predictable. I, I again, I I, I, I think that totally disagree. that if that if that happens, it happens for a reason. Let me just say that, and let me let me also just say that uh, I was so pleasantly surprised uh, by Dan Gilroy. Um, and his direction, because I think this is the first thing he's directed, and it is so self-assured um, and so completely engaging. Um, you know, he's done a lot of writing. You know, his two brothers uh, done a ton of work in the movie industry, and they worked on this movie as well. Once, one's a director, a writer producer tony uh the other is an editor named john but dan gilroy's direction i was so surprised and so pleasantly surprised by how self-assured it was um that i was completely taken with uh, nightcrawler and it was one of those movies that just stuck with me for days after seeing it i absolutely love nightcrawler uh so okay moving on um the movie that tied with this is the movie that is number five on your list. And I know that you and Tom <laughs> both loved this movie, and I wasn't as crazy about it. So tell me what your number five movie on your list is. My number five movie is The Guest. I All think right. the editing is brilliant, uh, as I also think it's brilliant in Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I've decided – here's the thing. Me and Tom both ad- admitted on the podcast that we both think it jumps the shark near the end, like the last. Careful, be careful. Uh, try and what? I'm just saying. I'm saying the number fifteen. All right. I'm, no, I'm only doing what Rush did earlier. All right. Um. But he still picked it, and I still he'd pick it as his top ten. But he really he loved the movie, and I embraced the movie too. And I was trying to figure out why you didn't and why we did. Like, are we dumb? And I was thinking, possibly, this is this is an idiotic theory. And it's not even a theory. I'm just kind of jiving you. But, like, Dan Stevens, who to me is really good at this movie, I was thinking, Paul's sort of the biggest Paul Walker fan of the three of us, even though we all love Paul Walker. And I thought maybe... You know Tom's you just said that... Paul is the biggest Paul Walker fan. Did I? Yeah. Ah. Does the Paul Walker fan speed block? I'm so ashamed of my life. (laughs) So let me rephrase that. So it's like Paul Walker is a Terminator, which 
made Tom go, yeah, see? It's like he's still here. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. All right. Um, well, as I just think it's just awesome in general. Um, it's probably a minor Wingar. <laughs> <laughs> I instantly wanted to see it again right after I saw it. So it makes number five. Uh, have you been able to see it again? Uh, I've seen it twice. And it held up both times. Um, but you didn't... I'm trying to why you didn't like it. Um, I, uh, I tend not to want to down-talk your picks when we're doing these lists. Um, but I, I, I think my objection was that uh, it bled too much from... Um, homage into send-up i guess i don't know i don't really remember i just remember it it, it just it Compared kind of other cards especially like yeah i think so i think because uh your next worked so completely for me and wound up on my horrible list the year die. before horrible way to die is amazing um i think the guests just didn't work as well for me it's not that i didn't like it i had a great time watching it uh we were all there together more or less and we saw a uh um uh, Q&A afterward the, the director and the writer and a couple of the actors were in that was fun uh, it just didn't work as well for me but I I know that it worked well for you guys I'm glad to see it on your list uh, I, it's definitely the goofiest of the Wingard movies it was also awesome to see Dan Stevens doing this after seeing yeah. him in Downton Abbey um, I, I remember seeing him in the first season of Downton Abbey and then watching him in this and going, what the heck? Where does this guy come from? I, he looks strangely familiar, but I've never really seen this guy. He's amazing in this movie, mm-hmm. um, especially considering where I'd seen him before. It's really exciting to see him doing that and getting this kind of a part uh, and just freaking knocking it out of the park. He's great in this movie. He's also being funny and creepy at the same time, which absolutely. I think is almost impossible to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, movie gets that kind of tone really well. I agree. And it made me laugh again. Like, that always seduces me the same way they came together. Dude. Lance Reddick was fucking killing me. <laughs> he was so funny on it. So good. I, and again, this, the top ten's about kind of getting people to see the movies. So I right. think I definitely want people to see the guest and tell me if I'm dumb for putting it on as number five. You know, I I gotta I gotta say that most but you're not alone. Most <laughs> of, no, well, most of the fans of our podcast I think would really groove on the guest. I think most people really really will like it, and I think it's a great recommendation for for fans of this podcast because I think people would get it. I think it's a matter of taste, like, why you didn't like it. Like, for you, if it's, like, the least good of that direct... Like, if that if it had been, like, the first movie by someone you didn't know, maybe you might have liked it more. Maybe. Like, oh, it's a David Wayne movie. This is gonna suck. That's <laughs> <so> bad. <laughs> that could have been you. And that's how you talk, by the way. That's exactly how you sound every time you say anything. I agree. That is how I sound. Speaking of how I sound, I'm about to talk about the next movie on our list, Kelly Wand. Mm. This movie got seven points. This was only on one of our lists. It was number four on my list. This movie, um, the uh, the quote I would choose from this movie is, "Do not ever call me a thesaurus." Oh, I was thinking about it. Thinking about it. 
Um, I could not. There's, uh, you know, from the moment I saw this movie, I was pretty. I, and I saw. I had to see this movie. Okay, this the movie I'm talking about. Number four movie on my list is Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I I I had to see this movie once. No. I had seen this movie twice before we did the podcast. Uh, and the reason I had to see it twice um, was because my son was really looking forward. My son was nine, nine years old at the time. He was really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, but I, I was a little reluctant for him to see it. Even though it's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about any of these characters. I knew nothing about the, the stories they were going to tell in this movie and most importantly it was directed by a director i really like james gunn who is known for doing things that are pretty violent and the scuttlebutt about the movie going in was that it was the most violent marvel movie ever made what i know that's what i was hearing and i wasn't reading reviews or anything i just heard that here and there it's super violent it's hyper violent and so my son really wanted to see it but i said okay i have to see it first so I went out to see it, and I had a blast seeing it. I was in a theater full of people. The woman behind me had a two-year-old, and I was like, really? I was worried. Um, and it, you know, it's violent, but it's no more violent than, than the Avengers. It's no more violent than any of the Iron Man movies, I don't think. Um, it, it might have sort of – it's. It might have more. Um, it's less violent than Iron. Double entendre, like sexual humor to it than other of these movies, or it might be a little closer to the edge in that humor than other of those movies. But I don't think it's more violent. Do you think it's more violent than like no. something like the Avengers? No, not at all. And the violence is really science fictiony. Like it's all CG kind of violence. Like no one. Right, right. I, I think don't even I remember any deaths on it. Well, I, I mean, I, you know. The thing is, I, I saw this thing once alone, and then I took my kid to it, and we were both just crazy about it. When we left, he said, this is the funniest movie I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly wouldn't put it there. I've seen movies that are funnier, but, man, I love this movie so much. Well, yeah. And I just couldn't believe how well it came together. I mean, this is a, this is again, this is a property I had no idea about. I had no idea what these characters were, and I couldn't believe they made it work. In, into a movie that I, yeah. I figured was going to be like a like a small little offshoot of the Marvel Universe, and it ended up being one of the highest grossing movies of the year, if not of all time. It was just bizarre. Yeah, starring Chris Pratt, too. Exactly. Think, exactly, starring Chris Pratt. That guy from Parks and Rec as the Han solo I he's know, amazing. and he's, he's fantastic in he's it. He's amazing. Yeah. And he could have been douchey so easily. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and it took some balls to cast him too. Like, it really did, and it totally pays off. It yeah. totally pays off. He's great in it. Uh, they all are. I think everybody's great in it. Um, I think my best little miscellaneous thing is probably Michael Rooker's like weird whistly weapon thing. Um, <laughs> you know that thing where he's whistling and that that yeah it goes around. I don't uh, know why those guys are in the field with him. What do you mean? I don't remember. It didn't make sense to me, like how, why they're all there, like why they're, all those guys. They're coming to take them out. I know, but he's in a field somewhere. Yeah, well, stick? you never know when you're going to need to be in a field. This was one of the best movie going experiences I had this year. Like I saw it with a bunch of 
it was when I was working on Carbine. So I saw it like with a bunch of video game nerds who were like super hyped for it. And I didn't know the characters either. I was kind of going in like you, but it was like going into Sex in the City 2 with a <laughs> bunch of fucking <laughs> cougars. Like surrounded by everyone going, yeah! Like every line and every character was just like getting this ballistic response. And um, it kind of, it did pop, pop, it made me distrust my own enjoyment of the movie a little bit. Like, wait, is this really as good as. Because I'm laughing too. It's funny. Um, I think I remember thinking the reason it's not on my list is I think in the last. It's the same thing as. Uh, wait, not the guest. Yeah, the guest. Where in the last 20 minutes, I thought it started to lose its uh, its zeal. Hmm. It started getting schmaltzy. I don't remember that. That's interesting. It's a lot of plant dancing. <laughs> Uh, and also, I'm also just cra- I'm, I love the and I love the fact that Bradley Cooper does a vocal performance that just is uh, you, you just don't expect it. It's totally unexpected. He's great. He's absolutely great. And one of my favorite images of the movie, in fact, is his character uh, Rocket when they show his back in the prison and they show those like implant knob things. Um, because that's just this weird, poignant moment, and and when and that's paid off later on in the movie when Rocket has an emotional moment. I mean, I, I'm not going to say any more about the movie. I don't think I have to worry about spoiling Guardians of the Galaxy for people, um, uh, and I certainly don't need to recommend it for for most listeners. And I think basically most people who are going to see it have seen it and are you know planning to see it anyway. Um, but man, I just can't believe I could say a, a ton of things that I love about the movie, all these little things about the music and the direction and the casting and everything. But all I have to say is blah, blah, blah. All of it just comes together near perfectly. Uh, and I'm just so excited that that James Gunn was a, was able to make that come together. And and even more so that the guy who's directing that whole Marvel universe it takes chances on guys like James yeah. Gunn. I, I think that's awesome. I think that is awesome. Um, that's my theory, though. Is like what you said is true. Like you said, you thought it was going to be like some tiny art house Marvel thing because you it was like Guardians of the Galaxy. Who are these? Like this isn't like the big the big leagues. Like right, right. Like this is like a tiny. And so maybe that's how they got Chris Pratt and James Gunn. Like all right, and that's how Iron Man started too. If you remember, it's like Iron Man was like not one of the Marvel superheroes that was that was considered like the bankable one. And when Robert Downey Jr. was cast, no one really cared at the time. And maybe that's what made it good. Like they had more freedom that way. And maybe that's how Guardians evolved too. Because it has a lot, it has so much energy in it. It's such yeah. a fun movie to watch. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that point about energy is absolutely spot on. Um, all right, so next one. The next movie on our list is a, is only on my list again, so unfortunately you're going to have to hear me talk for a while longer. Kelly Wan, did you see, and this is my number three movie of the year, uh, it garnered eight points on our list. Uh, it is a movie called Locke. Did you see Locke? No, I wanted to. Oh, damn it, Kelly Wan. Oh, I wish you would see your number three? That is my number three? That is my number three movie of the year, yeah. It looks really good. Um, I know it makes me want to see it. I, don't, I, I forgot to see it. Uh, instead of giving a quote, I'm going to do a little bit of dialogue from it. Here's the dialogue. Do you have a pen? I have a pencil. Get a pen. Uh, that little bit of dialogue. Do you have a pen? I have a pencil. Get a pen. Um, oh, good Lord. Uh, 
there's this my my favorite moment, my favorite little moment, is when the character, the main character, checks his pulse. He he's he's in the middle of the situation, and he just puts two fingers up to his neck, just to check his pulse. It's this little moment that Tom Hardy does uh, that reminds me of myself, um, <laughs> uh, because there 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 what? are moments when I'm uh, you know when I'm in really a great stressful situation. Uh, and this is this weird little, I don't know, tick. I don't know what you would call it. This weird little mannerism I have when I'm in a really stressful situation. Two of my fingers will go up to my neck just to check my pulse to see what my heart rate is doing. I don't really? even know why I do that. I just do it. And when I saw him do that, I went, "Oh my god! I know that. I know that guy. I know what he's doing." Um, and, and my favorite image from it. And this is going to be weird. This is kind of a cheat, but this is an oral image. This is sound, and that is. Tom Hardy's vocal choice. The choices he makes in this movie, uh, and they're so important to the movie, and I'm not going to say much more than this, but the vocal choice he makes in this movie is uh, utterly arresting and utterly singular. So much so... Not cardiac arresting. No, no, no. (laughs) Very good, very good. It's just... uh, it's, it's, It's a stunning choice that he makes he's he's such a good actor um and and so so the reason i'm choosing Locke um is basically because no other movie hit me as hard emotionally this year as this movie hit me uh lock um lock laid me out for days it really hit me very very hard um so there's that uh uh, putting that aside the way it personally affected me um this movie fits really well into this all is lost kind of movie slot. Um, so even though we did not do a podcast on Locke, uh, if you go back to the All is Lost podcast, I think you'll get what I mean. Um, uh, I, I, I guess to be a little more explicit, it's there's this sense of competence about it, the sense of passion for something that most people don't know about or care about. Um, and and how that sense of passion about this one thing can transfer to an understanding of the character for the audience. Um, and I, I just, I, I'm so taken by the way the movie Locke unfolds and how boldly it, it makes its choice and stays where it stays um, and how excellently Tom Hardy carries that forth. Um, the, yeah, it, it wound up. It you know I, when I when I first saw it, it was on my list, but it was low, and then it just kept moving its way up. It kept moving its way up, uh, and it wound up as number three. So yeah, Locke is my number three, and I hope you get to see it at some point, Kelly. Cause I'll watch it tonight. It's uh, no, no. You have to watch um, most uh, you know something else. Uh, but yeah, it really it really kicked my ass. Great movie. I've never checked my pulse before. I want to be surprised. You haven't. No. Oh, that that move that move where you like put your, where he put his fingers up to his neck. I was like, I've done that. I've done that. I went through a period a couple of years ago where I was under so much stress all of the time that I was constantly doing that, and I was doing it unconsciously. Um, where what I was if, just like checking to see is my is there something weird? What's going on? And oh, you and, check and see it's weird. And not only that, it was like I, I felt like, am I getting high blood pressure? What's going on? Is, there, is something is something weird going on? And then after a while, it just became to be like this, this tick. Like it's like I would just do it. And when he did that, I was like, oh wow, I've seen that, I've seen that in myself. It was a great little moment. 
I think that's all it ever was because you're not really diagnosing. You're not a doctor. No, no. There's no way to diagnose it. It's just one of those ways that you sort of – that you like try to touch base with yourself, I think. But then right. what do you do if you do notice? You probably – you get into, to, into some sort of denial about it, I would imagine. It's probably fine. Probably just my fingers. So anyway, I would encourage people to see Locke, Locke. especially you. Uh, the next movie is on both of our lists. It is uh, Kelly Wan's uh, – it is my number six movie. It is Kelly Wan's number four movie. Kelly Wan, will you tell us what is your number four movie and why you like it so much? My number four movie is Birdman, um, which – so many things I liked about this movie. I don't think I liked it as much when I saw it, but it sort of it sort of grew on me the more I thought about it. Yeah, I'm fascinated that it wound up so high on your list, and I'm really kind of excited to hear why it grew on you. Because I can remember in the podcast you loved it, and I was sort of ambivalent about it. Um, but my memories, like I, I noticed that it was a, it's a very vivid movie in my memory. Like I remember everything that happens in it, like all the way to the end. Right. Um, and I saw it with a splitting headache, so I didn't trust my impressions of it. Like, uh, but it's such a you know my thing about liking movies that take place in a single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's not a single day, but it is a single unbroken stream of events. Very I'm trying good. to avoid spoilers. See? Yeah, you See know, I'm, I'm having that same trouble. Go ahead. Especially with Birdman, because it's such a hard movie to describe anyway. And it's a lot of these movies are on my list just because of how they made me feel, which is sort of, you know, I heard music when I saw the movie. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I thought, I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen Michael Keaton in a movie. Uh, I yeah, love the texture. Remake of RoboCop. Uh, <laughs> is that on your list? You. Nice try, mister. Um, I thought that quote, it made me want to read Carver, which I've never done. Um, the, that opening quote in Michael Keaton's dressing room, that a thing is what it is, not what's written about it really stuck with me Uh because it really applies to the movie. Um, it made me glad I'm not an actor. (laughs) Um, and Maybe I'm dumb on this. This is a maybe. This is probably the least reason to like it because there's. I love Ed Norton's character a lot, and I loved his acting in it. But I was thinking maybe one reason it it, it inched up my list is it, it's like that and Super are the only movies that sort of push back against all this superhero kind of claptrap. Like it's sort of doing. It's the they came together for superhero movies. Oh, boom! Did see that come? Did right. you? No, you just dropped a bomb on me. Well done. I used they came together to explain Birdman. Well done. To mystify it. Uh, I just didn't dis- – it's one of, It's another – it's a stupid thing to say, but it's just how I – I'm a utilitarian critic, I guess. Like whatever is the least – the least things I find wrong with it goes highest up the list. And Birdman just doesn't have anything that annoyed me the way the guy in Nightcrawler did. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, you mean and the plant dancing in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, that. Ah, no, down, off. You're number 12, Guardians. Too much plant. But Birdman, you liked more than, than me, so I want to know. 
Um, it, yeah, it's not as high on my list, but I, I did really love it. Um, and I, it, it's interesting to me to hear you say uh, one of the things I lifted out of what you kind of went through here was you saying, I'm thankful I'm not an actor. That was funny. Yeah, and the theater world, too. It seems like such a fretful nightmare. It can be a fretful nightmare, and I, I think that should be somebody's autobiography, a fretful nightmare. Um, uh, but having been on stage and been in that world, I think it was it was meaningful for me in a maybe at a different level. I don't know. Um, I certainly know that friends I've recommended it to who have also been on stage were really crazy about it. Although uh, I think they had sort of a similar problem uh, that you mentioned with uh, a couple other movies on, on uh, that we talked about, where at the end they they kind of strayed. Um, but but the things I love about this movie, um, I'm crazy about the way it's shot. Uh, and I, and I don't want to say anything about that other than I have a weird interpretation of why it's done. Um, and I don't want to say what that interpretation is or even what the method of shooting the movie is. I'm sure a lot of people know what it is, but I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, you, you should, you should watch the movie and make your own, you draw your own conclusions as to why the director shot it that way. If you want to hear what I have to say about it, you can listen to our Birdman podcast, and you'll hear this wacky interpretation I have about it, and and how and how it sort of inspired me in a different way. And, and the other thing I, I love about this movie is is the questions that it, it made me ask about existence, namely, yeah. uh, do do we exist beyond what we do as a job? And number two, do we exist beyond who loves us? Um, and I love movies that make me ask questions like that uh, and just, you know, there's so many things I love about Birdman. Um, but, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was pretty crazy about it. But I'm, I'm really fascinated that it wound up higher on the list for you. It's also – I'm surprised that you have friends who say it's straight because to me, like it was unpredictable all the way to the last frame. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. But then uh, if you think about it, it's all inevitable. But the, the problem isn't with predictability, it's with interpretation. Um, right. And I think that we should probably leave it there. So yeah. moving on to the next movie on our list, it was also on both of our lists. How, how do you like that, Kelly Wand? What part? That something's on both our lists? Or yeah, isn't rap? that awesome? Yeah. Something's on both of our lists. Um, uh, it's higher on your list. This is the number two movie on your list. This is the number seven movie on my list. Kelly Wan, what is your number two movie of 2014? The Interview. Wait, no, that's the wrong list. Uh, Kelly, two, I can't, I, you know, I, I half expected, and I said this to Tom <laughs> a couple days ago, I half expected um, just to be griefing that The Interview would wind up as number one on your list. No, They Came Together was enough grief. All right. So what is your number two movie of 2014? My number two movie is Whiplash. Okay. Tell me why. It is my number seven movie. Why is Whiplash your number two movie of 2014? Uh, I thought it was just one of the best. Uh, I don't want – Ensemble makes it sound like there's more than two people. So I guess duo is that the word? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Go ahead. Okay. I just thought the interaction between the two actors in this movie is amazing. I thought it was um, – We're kind of. I'm kind of regurgitating stuff because we, we just did the Whiplash podcast, so I feel like I'm just spitting out the same shit. Like, was this the one where we, you were saying friends had said, oh, you like Moneyball even if you don't like statistics or baseball? <laughs> Which one was it? Uh, I might have said that as related to this. Um 
certainly Moneyball was directed by Bennett Miller, who also directed Foxcatcher, so I right, probably right. said that there too. But I think I said it as related to this because of the the fact that it's jazz drumming, right, and I don't right. care for jazz. Neither of us do. Right. It's still my number two, so that's how good the movie is. Right. Like, right. if it's one of those things where if you tell someone like us what it is, what it's about, they'll go, wait, what? You're telling me to see this? But it's really, it's just about... <sighs> the reason I like this movie more than you, um, I think it's because it sort of delved into this idea that's interesting to me of like adversity as a measure of brilliance and it kind of never went soft like i think you can see that ending i don't want to be spoiler i hate this wait a minute wait a minute you said adversity is a a measure of brilliance well like the this is not jk rowling what's his first name jk simmons jk simmons thank you um his whole raison d'etre is that how you say that or is it now stupidest person on the internet that's not true um what he has devoted his life to could easily be seen and we see there's there are tragic consequences to to what he's said about and the and the question of the movie is asking is is it worth it um hmm okay which i think the answer is i guess um, but I think that's a level of the movie was working for me that I think it's it works on so many levels besides that though it's just fun. like the dialogue's good and it's such like a great character just listening to J.K. Simmons spit shit out and we both talked about how much we both like the language of I'm always fascinated by work parlance yeah yeah me too yeah like that like you were you were ahead of me on Patrick O'Brien, but like all that sailor stuff that I think is off putting for a lot of people, like that stuff's fascinated me. And the stuff in margin call where you have to like intuit what they're saying from the context, it's just when people talk about their work, it's just really interesting. Right, right. And so that's like it didn't make me want to learn more about jazz, but it made me love the characters and believe in the movie. You know, I think I had a similar I mean, what you just said triggered my reaction to uh Fury. Um uh, when we talked about Fury, you, you, we kind of made jokes about that, but I, I really love the way they talked and their parlance. The jargon. Yeah, the jargon, uh, which you expect in war and with soldiers. But the idea of, of work having that kind of parlance is really attractive to me, too. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and people – like we don't have to know – like you and I still don't know what 90 percent of what J.K. Simmons was talking about means, but we don't need to because it's still – we can tell by the reactions on people's faces. Right, and his intention is so clear. Yeah. I mean, his, his intention in every single moment mm-hmm. is so clear uh, that no matter what he's saying, I think, honestly, he could be saying gibberish. It could be any know Exactly what right. it means. Glossolalia. And also, too, maybe part of it is like we've all met or known people like that. So we sort of like – I mean, not necessarily exactly like that. I don't know that I've ever known somebody at that level of intensity, but I know what you're saying. No, no. Right. But Usually they're pretending at it. Yeah. Um, and what's fascinating about that character is is how much he uh, believes in what he's doing mm-hmm. and, and who 
it is revealed as the movie goes on who he actually thinks he is and what he actually thinks he is doing, uh, which I think is a fascinating character trait. Um, yeah, so I see what you're saying. And he never – and I think also too, like we've seen all these movies. This is something we didn't talk about on the um, – podcast we're used to movies about all these inspirational teacher movies like dead poet society and dangerous minds and stuff and they're all kind of soft like they 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 all start out like the jk simmons character but by the end of the movie everyone's bonding and everyone's together and they've all worked it out and i i don't want to say anything about the ending of whiplash but i feel like even like it never goes soft like it's it's earned and that's that's a that's a good way to put it. I think we should leave it at that. I think you're absolutely right. That is absolutely earned. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think that uh, unlike what I said about Begin Again, which exhibits, I think, an understanding of what popular music is and why it touches people and works for people, I think Whiplash poses questions about uh, what it means not just to be a musician um, or even not not just to be an artist, but but what it means to be excellent in any endeavor. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I think you said this, I don't know if you said it in exactly these terms, but, but where, where, how far is too far? Where, where, what is the line as far as that's concerned? And, and I love, I love a movie that, that poses those questions and leaves me to answer them, I think. And if you can, it's like, I think we're both fans, much to Tom's disgust, I think of the Flamingo kid. <laughs> yeah. But like, if I can't spoil that movie since it's not on our list, but it's like that movie's about Matt Dillon, who's amazing at gin. It's gin, right? I don't remember. He's, he plays gin, um, and he's great at it. Just like he's uh, good at dice in Big Town. But anyway, but at the at the end of the movie, he realizes that family's more important. My dad, the plumber, is the one who's not full of shit, and it's the rich asshole millionaire who cheats his friends at cards who's been blowing smoke mask, but it's like in whiplash, the relation, the kids already making decisions about like where his, his dad and his family members stand in relation to like what he hopes to achieve in life. Like what it's like to be the young. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know (laughs) what you're saying. And I I think that uh, the takeaway should be is, is that I, I think that we just both love the, the questions this movie poses about how far you have to go. Mm -hmm. It's a great movie. Period. Absolutely. And like, uh, no, I uh, recommend it too. Came back. Going, Dude, like everyone loves this movie that I've ever foisted it on. I, you know, I've I've recommended it to a couple of people, but they just haven't had a chance to see it. So I hope in the they will in Love the new it. year they will they will definitely have a chance to see it because it's so worth seeing. Yeah. And um and Miles Teller, who yeah. I was not crazy about because of uh I I think it was the spectacular now that I thought he was terrible in. Um, He's phenomenal. Yeah. He's phenomenal in this. I don't know. Is that the... What's spectacular to you? Uh, it does. Terrence Malick movie? Okay. Because yeah. I, I didn't know him before, and he is, he is phenomenal in this. He, he really he's, he's, a, he's amazing, yeah. yeah. So anyway, moving on to... Uh, this is the... We've got two more movies to talk about. Uh, I don't think it'll be much of a surprise to many people listening to this podcast. Uh, the next movie we're going to talk about is your number three movie of the year. This is my number one movie of the year. This is our second highest scoring movie. Um, So, your number three movie of the year, my number one movie of the year, is a movie called The Rover. Mm. 
Um, so I will, I will go first, but we can just both, you know, feather in our conversation about this. We just have to be really careful. I don't want to talk too much about it. Uh, it's yeah. my number one movie of the year. It's Kelly Wan's number three movie of the year. I'm pretty sure it'll be pretty high on Tom's list. It's one of those movies, and this, it's one of the two movies on this on this list that I saw in a theater and immediately went back to see it that week in a theater again. Um, the Rover. Um, all right, here's here's my favorite quote from it, or, or the quote I would use for this list. Uh, you should never stop thinking about a life you've taken. That's the price you pay for taking it. Um, my best little miscellaneous thingy is this song called, uh, I think it's called Pretty Girl Rock, that uh, a character <laughs> sings along with near the end. And I think it's just such a funny moment. Uh, my favorite image from the movie, and this is something that just tickles me no matter how many times I watch it, and I've watched it a couple of times, is is – uh, is tough guys uh, trying to be so tough but wearing shorts and cargo shorts. Because, yeah. like, American action heroes, because this movie is set in Australia, um, American action heroes don't generally run around in shorts trying to be tough. Uh, and I just love the guys walking around, like, in sandals and whatnot trying to be tough wearing shorts. It's one of my favorite images. I just like that the movie has that. It's, like, not afraid to do that with the movie. Um, Deadly Prey, like, I wore shorts. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh. Uh, um, so anyway, <laughs> I don't want to say too much about this, but I, uh, I have so uh, – yeah, okay, so good. Let's start with, with Pattinson uh, because what you said when you were talking about Whiplash – uh, I think it was Whiplash, where you're talking about the way two characters work together. You didn't want to say ensemble because it, you were talking about specifically the way a duo works together, right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly the way I feel about what what is I was as I was jockeying the movies that wound up one and two on my list. What really nudged this up to number one was the relationship uh, between um, uh, God. I'm blanking on his name now. Robert Pattinson and. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Thank you. What an idiot I am. Uh, it's a two-man show. The way their relationship develops. I mean, there's a, the acting is phenomenal across the board in this movie, but the way their relationship develops, specifically, uh, the 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 weird quality of that. Um, oh, it's 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 just it's it's overwhelming to me. Um, I, I just found this movie completely, uh, uh, completely took me over. And again, I had to see it twice in the same week because I loved it so much. Yeah, it's a powerful movie. Um, it's one of the two movies on my list where I consider it to have the best ending ever. <laughs> <laughs> the other one being Most Wanted Man. Um, I really like that ending too. Um, there's no reason it's number three on my. It's like Reiki Eddie Hall versus Star Wars. It's a great movie. I have no quarrel with anything in the rover. It's brilliant. No, it's it's just, uh, you know, when we get to this point, as any point in our list, it's just a matter of what did you like more? Uh, you know, it's, it, and it doesn't even have to be that. It's not like which is a better movie categorically. Because, uh, you know, as we talk about the other movies that didn't wind up on our list as the year goes on, you know, because we'll inevitably, like, go back to these types of things there might be other movies we think this was a better movie than begin again uh but it didn't wind up on my list because i liked begin again more that year that's just the way it is um so i liked the i liked the rover best of more than anything uh and uh it was 
it was really difficult because we saw the rover fairly early and the other movie that uh, we'll talk about in a few minutes we saw very early too and it could have yeah. gone either way it's just i went the rover because of the relationship i i am just nuts about this movie and i can't i am i'm just not i'm t- it's so weird that this distributor a24 is responsible for so many more movies on i was gonna list. say they're the animal kingdom guys right no, that's blue. Oh, they're not. Is this okay? Wait, what know, am I? Maybe maybe it's not A twenty four who did this. A twenty four. I think uh, I might be thinking of a different movie then. A twenty four. Though they they just keep appearing on so many great movies. Um, so maybe I shouldn't be talking about A twenty four yet. Um, but anyway, uh, I absolutely love the. the it's. Color. I don't know what else to say about it because, you know, I'm. Uh, you know, unlike Locke. You know, Locke is a movie I feel like it's on 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 a list of movies that I would say I I dread seeing it again. I can't wait to see it again. I would put a slash between those two things. I I dread see it again. Slash can't wait to see it again. This this movie, The Rover, I I am aching to see it again. <laughs> Tonight I thought I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Rover on while I'm typing up like notes about for the podcast. It is impossible not to look at that movie. It's not something you can have on in the background. It's just it's riveting. I don't know if I could see it again, like in the same week, because just because it's such an intense experience. It is very intense experience, harrowing. But, but I need I, it. It was sort of like a a little bit like a drug. I needed to go get I needed to go get another hit. <laughs> yeah, I get that because it's such filmmaking craft, and it, you you see there's a, there's an appeal to movies set in places. Like Australia and featuring actors that we've never seen before, who look like this, <laughs> right? Spring roles, right? That are just endlessly fascinating to dudes like us who live very closeted lives. <laughs> and also, too, as like, here's another prerequisite for my list: everything on my list, you can only make the list if it's like they couldn't exist in any other medium as well. Ah, it couldn't. The story couldn't be told as well if it was anything except a movie. It had to be this to be this good. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Like there's a in the rover. There's like a there's a vehicular incident, mm-hmm. and there's no way that incident could have been relayed more dramatically than the way it's done here. Uh, you know that's beautifully put. I love the way you put that because what you just said immediately made uh, the image go into my head and then my head tried to write a paragraph about it or a sentence and it didn't work yeah so, it's not as good as the visuals in the movie beautifully put you're absolutely right us yeah. talking about it is worse than watching it <laughs> well I think that's true of just about every movie I know but like that one there's a scene near the end um careful I'm trying it's it's so irritating um but where you guys basically broke it down like you enunciated what on our podcast about the rover like why that scene's so good never mind I'm just repeating myself alright uh, I trust that you're right about that so uh, people can go listen to our rover sense. podcast hear us and Tom talk about it um I just want to say it was it was directed by a guy named David Michaud. If I didn't say that before, wait, uh, that is the that's the Animal Kingdom guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's the Animal Kingdom guy. I just don't know if if A twenty four also did the 
to the distribution for this or not because you see the A24 logo on so many great movies and yeah. that come up right – I'm at a point right now. I don't know that I know a production company's logo as well as I do or as well as I do A24 or that will make me close my eyes faster during a trailer than seeing A24 come up because I, see- I absolutely trust them. I know they've made – they haven't made not everything is great. They've made some clunkers, but they've they've made so many good things that uh, that I immediately close my eyes during a trailer if A twenty four comes up. What besides Animal Kingdom? I mean, wasn't there one called Rectangle or something? Uh, the, uh, the Square is another. The Square. Thing. But you. we're talking about Blue Tongue Films, which is a different thing. Okay. Blue right. Tongue is this group of Australian filmmakers like Joel Edgerton, Nash Edgerton, David right. Michaud. I mean, those guys. Um, so th- that's a different thing. I don't know if A24 had anything to do with the rover. I don't remember. Uh, I'm sure Tom will come by and set us straight on that. Right. But uh, since we're talking about A24, we might as well move on to our final movie that we're going to talk about tonight. Oof. This is your number one movie. This is the- Oh, my fucking God. This is the top scoring movie on our list. So, so until Tom weighs in, this is the winner for the quarter to three movie podcast uh, movie of the year. This is your number one movie of the year. This is my number two movie of the year. Kelly Wand, what is your number one movie of 2014? Oh, my fucking God. This movie haunts me still, Dingus. It I'm always will. I'm with you. What is the name of that movie? The name of the movie is Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson. All right. Very good. Uh, um I think it's one of the best science fiction films ever made. I was captivated in this movie from the first frame to the last. I love how it told its story without words. I loved how it made (laughs) a very uh, emotion-neutral seeming character from a very distant place more relatable than Scottish people. (laughs) <laughs> like, like they're weirder than she is you know what I'm saying that's an interesting way to put it yeah it may just not be my favorite movie of 2014 but maybe ever wow what the heck uh, it's, uh, it's, I mean for science fiction you basically just gotta go to books like there's just not that many good science fiction movies I think it's like The Thing Alien 1 2001 and that's it I think everything else is lame <laughs> okay and then Under the Skin buries all those Wow. Except, except maybe. Ah, it's so good. Did you finish the book? Were you reading the book? No, no. I'm I'm extremely slow to... reader, and I've got like four right. books going at once. So uh, there's, you know, Tom predicted when I bought it, he's like, "You're never going to finish that." And every month or so, he's like, "So how far are you in Under the Skin?" And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, taunting you." Yeah, but he's right. I mean, but uh, yeah, but it's like that book didn't grab you. But under the, the movie, this is what I'm saying. It's like the source material is irrelevant. It's like under the skin, the movie renders the novel meaningless. It kind of does. I mainly bought it just to see what the voice was because right. I was curious. Because one of the things that's interesting about Under the Skin is that you don't know what it is when you're watching it. No, uh, and that's one of the things I love about it. It yeah. it does that. What the hell is going on here? Thing I love that a movie does to me, and then, and it does it in in the right kind of a way. Um, and both times I saw it in a theater, again, I think during the same week, uh, it made me feel that way in different ways, like this what the hell is going on here thing, because you don't know what it is as you're watching. And if you can be patient with that, it pays off so well. 
but you don't necessarily know you're watching the kind of movie you just said we were watching. When we did the podcast, you know, I didn't announce the genre. I think at this point it's safe to, um, but we didn't announce the genre when we talked about it initially because when you're watching it, you don't know that's the kind of movie you're watching. Um, it's fascinating to watch this movie unfold because you're constantly thinking, what in the world is going on? And Jonathan Glazer, who directed it, doesn't give you a lot. He makes you come to him. Um, and I love that about Under the Skin. I, I just I love the fact that he he's like, this is how I'm going to tell you the story. You come and get it now. Yeah. And she's so good at it. Uh, th- this is the other thing I was going to say early on, and, and I mentioned this when we saw, and I think it was Nightcrawler, um, that it's stunning to me that Jake Gyllenhaal and Scarlett Johansson are giving some of the most daring and impressive performances of the last couple of years over and over again. You're talking about a guy who was in uh, Prince of Persia and a woman who was in uh, Iron Man and the Avengers giving the most daring and interesting performances. It is it is utterly stunning to think that Scarlett Johansson has done this. She did Lucy this year. She did her last year. I mean, it's scary. She's she's doing really daring stuff. How Jonathan Glazer got her in this, I have no idea. Um, but I couldn't be more excited and and I was never I've never been a big Scarlett Johansson fan. I never I mean she just doesn't necessarily do it for me. But I cannot deny how great she is in the movies I just mentioned mentioned and how awesome she is in this. And she's doing very little Best on the work. surface. She's doing amazing work. Uh, I I just I can't deny that. And, and and this is not the kind of thing that that will get recognized when it comes to giving out awards. Which is a shame because it's it's a fascinating performance. That's what I'm saying. It's why these fascinating. Are... Well, keep in mind she came from Ghost World and Lost in Translation, and he he came from Brokeback Mountain. Like they've both given. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I tend to, to forget that then, when I think about them becoming like at, they get stars doing blockbusters and whatnot. Right. It's like Winter's Bone gives us Jennifer Lawrence, and then she goes on to make Hunger Games and stuff. Oh, you know, fair enough. You're right. I think you're right about that. But I've never seen like Scarlett Johansson. Like she's a she's a she's a pinup. I think she's conceived that way. And like, yeah, she could just she could make a career out of doing movies that right. She could her into a bombshell. Instead, she she does something like this, which is daring, which is scary. She's you know she's she's naked in it. She's naked. Uh, in it. It's not even the best thing of the movie, and that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And she's not. And and there seems to be no vanity as far as that's concerned. No. Um, it's it's a daring, interesting. And it's creepy. Creepy. <laughs> really. It's, it's creepy and nightcrawlers creepy. I mean, the, the, these. That these young stars are giving are are like le- letting themselves look vulnerable and creepy in this way uh, is fascinating to me. Yeah. I, I couldn't be more impressed. Yeah, Out of the Skin. It's one of those things where I thought it was one of the best movies I'd ever seen when I saw it, and then we did the podcast about it, and then I we walked Tom and I would. I think independently would like read up on production notes on it because we were just curious. And then even like the stuff we read of the production was just fast. Like the guy, not fi- was it called fibromyalgia? Like someone we assumed was wearing makeup. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. And the way they shot the early scenes, like those weren't actors and all that stuff. It's just, it just, it so works in the movie. Yeah, the making- every decision they yeah. made was paid off so well. 
just like the Chris Pratt gamble. That's why that quote's so stupid that you said at the beginning of the podcast. Which 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 of my quotes was stupid? No, no, you were quoting the internet saying, "Oh, okay, it yeah. was a shitty year." It's like what? I can't tell you. They gave us Chris Pratt as a Han Solo and Scarlett Johansson as like how could any year with either of those be considered? I have I have eleven other movies. Uh, no, uh, eleven, twelve. I have thirteen other movies. As I look at the things that I, because I, uh, as I go through the year, I open a list and I and I start to like make my list, and then I have movies that could be possibles, others ones that are disappointed, forget it, that kind of thing. The movies that that fell off started to fall off the list, and that I considered possible movies. Are, there's like thirteen other movies. I mean, it's ridiculous the number of great. Really good movie. We're not even talking about some of the movies we saw for the podcast this year, like Life of Crime, Colt in July. I mean, yeah. Inherent Vice. I mean, none of these wound up on the list, but in Honey another Man. year, they might very well have. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was dense. And I saw, I've seen a lot. Of, I mean, uh, Gone Girl. I like. I was. That oh, was you did like Gone Girl. Okay. Oh yeah, I loved Gone Girl. I did not see that. I've only heard yucky things about it, other than for what? Me. No one liked it but me. Yeah, that was a huge hit movie. Uh, did you ever see the Skeleton Twins? No, I feel bad about that because I remember. And also, that's got the same guy that I like from. They came together. Bill Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader. He is freaking amazing. Yeah. What should I watch? This Lock or Skeleton Twins? Uh, depends what mood you're in. Lock is tough. Lock is really good. I, I mean, obviously, Lock was high on my list. I loved the Skeleton Twins. I was surprised. It's really good. They're great together, and Bill Hader is amazing. Uh, another really good movie, and it came in late, and it was really close. It just got edged off. Is a movie called The One I Love, um, and that's available on Netflix streaming. So you should give that a watch if you can. If the One you, I Love. Yeah, it's it's uh, Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. Okay. And it's a really good, really interesting script. Um, I, I think Tom just wrote about it on the front page, uh, and I saw it a, like a week or two ago, and it's really good, really good. So, I mean, but there's a ton of movies. There's so many movies this year that didn't wind up on my list that probably could have in other years. And this has been in a. And what's weird about it is that how many things came out early. And I've said that over and over again. Apologize for harping on it, but how many things came out earlier this year because of the way things are being released. Um, you know, uh, you know, we're getting more things day and date with video on demand. We're getting to see more things that we can buy right away. We're getting to see smaller movies in in more markets and in a longer rollout. Um, I'm so I'm so happy that we're in this in this kind of uh, an era, and I'm hoping that continues because 2014. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so jazzed about how great 2014 was, having gone through the year and having for the first time wound up at the beginning of December almost with a full list. I mean, with a full list that I had to start winnowing down. Well, was that internet line about, oh, 2014 was a disappointing year? Is that just about box office? Because I get this, like, most of these articles are just like how much money something made. And it might have been, but I, I think a couple of people, but I think it's also just click fodder. Just 2014 was a bad year for movies. Me, me, me. But it's not really yeah, a value. It's like, oh, this the weekend box office was this and this and this. Like, that's. It might have been. All right, so saying that. Now that we've talked about all the movies that were our favorites, let's talk about a couple of the characters. I mean, categories. Um, 
we've got two other categories that we usually talk about every year. We usually talk about the movies that were the most disappointing movies of the year and the most surprising movies of the year. So, uh, Kelly Wand, do you have a movie that was the most disappointing movie of 2014 for you? Uh, the Interview. Really? Nah. I was really looking forward to it. Even after Neighbors, I was really looking forward to it. But I was really disappointed. I went in with primed for it. Let's go. You, My bar is so low, this can't suck. And it was still a difficult movie to finish for me, which is hard to believe. Who knew? Uh, I fully expected that to be a terrible movie. Yeah, but, you did say early on. Because you were defending... You were on the side of North Korea. Or, yeah, I'm generally – that's generally going to be my usual. Right. I think my like listeners know that if North Korea comes out with something, I'm going to pretty much back it up. Well, that's because you're heredity. It's not because of right. movie. Exactly, exactly right. Yeah, I, uh, I have no choice in that. You know, Heredity is destiny, as they say. But um, – yeah. Uh, I just found that movie so without – you were disappointed. You, you thought it was charm, and you know, other than uh, Lizzie Kaplan, I, I don't know that there's anything she's that really. Barely in it. Yeah, exactly. But she's. And uh, I didn't understand. Uh, wait, what's her name? Diana Bang. What? I might be wrong on their first name. The Korean lady who's an actress. Oh, I don't even know. I just it was such a terrible. I didn't movie. understand her arc at all. I didn't understand the. Uh, I don't like that movie. It's a she, terrible movie. Nita McBride. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying that. And yeah, my theory, too, is maybe um, since it had a message to deliver, which is that North Korea is bad, maybe that takes the edge off any comedy. Uh, I don't know. I don't think – I think you can put – I don't think you can – I just think that they, they've, they're so full of themselves, they don't know what's funny anymore. That's what – that's – see, they had a couple hits and they got cocky, just like Stallone. I just think there's nobody around them will tell them, look, dude, that's not funny. Stop it. Come on. Uh, my most disappointing, this was close, it was close between two movies, but I went ahead and went with X-Men Days of Future Past. Ah, that's a good choice. Because I was so looking forward to seeing that with my son, um, and and I just sat there feeling more and more disappointed as it went on, but you know, trying not to let on. Uh, and then he leaned over to me and said, boy, I really hate this. Yes! But, Oh, yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. He uh, it's all walk-ons. Everyone just comes on and does a thing, and then they're out. The only good part was Quicksilver part. I thought that was a, yeah, and it provides you with one of the best movie, best moments of the year. And yeah. if I were to if I were to say, and you know, I was going to say this in a minute, but I'll say, go ahead and say it now. One of my, you know, I said a, a, like a best miscellaneous thingy for every single movie that we talked about. My best miscellaneous thingy of the year would probably be that that kitchen scene with Quicksilver because it in the yeah. middle of this just slog of a movie you suddenly like whoa energy what the heck I know. what's happening yeah and the plot's supposed to be uh, it's the end of the world all the mutants getting shot killed and then there's like one scene where someone fun's doing something fun so right. it's even anomalous <laughs> the one good part doesn't right. fit but it was such an exciting moment, such an infusion of energy, um, and and I think what will turn out to be sort of an iconic moment because of the choice of music and how uh, how it stands out in the movie. 
um, that it really is one of the best best moments of the year as far as any of these. Because I, I think it was a great year for movies that are sort of uh, tentpole or action movies. It was a surprisingly good year in that way. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. So let me talk. Let me talk about my most surprising movie of the year. Then I'll, okay. I'll, I'll talk first. And my most surprising of the movie of the year would be Three Hundred: Rise of an Empire, ah. um, which uh, again another movie that could have made my list. Uh, it's just that yeah. uh, Edge of Tomorrow had more of an emotional impact Edged on me. But uh, Three Hundred: Rise of an Empire is so well made, and I and I wasn't a big fan of Three Hundred. I wasn't a fan of it okay. at all. Uh, so I went into this one kind of dragging my feet and i was so shocked by how well made it is how great um sullivan oh what's his name uh the lead guy he's he's in animal kingdom i can't remember his name but anyway how great the the lead guy who plays the mescles is how yeah. great eva green is in it everybody's awesome in it it's so well directed so well paced so crazy over the top it i just think it's shocking how good it is and i think there's a lot of movies that are that kind of action oriented movie that were surprisingly good that one edge of tomorrow uh, i you know i was the one who liked the second captain america movie winter soldier i liked it too uh, we were even shocked about how great transformers age of extinction was so uh, i think there were a lot of really good <laughs> well maybe not you <laughs> there uh, were a lot of really good action movies so what was your most surprising movie of the year kelly wand I thought it was really surprising to me that Aaron Paul was in Moses as a character named Aaron. <laughs> he he was not. He's very yeah, that's true. That was also surprising. So your most surprising moment was that Aaron Paul was in The interview is also my most surprising disappointment because it's like this is the end. They test screened the end of this is the end and they went all right it's they just go to heaven that's not exciting enough and so then they came up with backstreet boys like they put some passion into figuring it out and in the interview that passion they just like okay there's elections in korea i'm gonna spoil the ending (laughs) so do you have just a movie that was your most surprising movie of the year um that was it, Aaron Paul and Moses. That Moses is not a movie. Oh, it's most surprising movie or most surprising thing in a movie. No, you're the movie that surprised you the most. That Guardians you thought... of the Galaxy was surprising. Okay, good. All right, that's fine. But your most surprising moment was, was that Aaron Paul was in Exodus: Gods and Kings. Yeah. All right. That surprised me. I felt taken aback by that a little bit. <laughs> was All there right. another blockbuster movie? That were that I'm forgetting that was supposed to be good. What do you mean? I guess it's surprising that you guys both like the other one. That surprised me. So. <laughs> I <still> get that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that we would say we categorically would recommend it for all people, or that we would mention it on the list show. But I can understand why that would be surprising to you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That really surprised me. <laughs> oh, thing. But again, comedy. They came together, the other woman, what? What are you going to do? Z-Bone's top ten. Oh, no, really? Oh, wait. Did you have any other categories? 
No, no, I'm done with categories. The only thing I was going to uh, – one of our listeners wrote in with his top five. I was going to read that. But if if Z-Bone wants to take precedence over that. I was also going to say for category, I had best applause line. All right. Um, Tars's fan belts tweaked again over. But remember that it's from Interstellar. Oh, that was a that was my second movie of the two movies I found most disappointing. But I forgot that line. That that's my most surprising movie. Forget what I said before. Oh, Interstellar. I thought Interstellar was going to rock my world, and it didn't rock my world. It made okay. me miss Under the Skin. It made me miss they came together. Wow. From a Nolan? Like a Nolan movie. Like, I remember you told Tom, and he's like, wait, skip a Nolan movie? Really? It's that bad? <laughs> that no, is surprising. I, I think that, uh, I, the, you know, I really didn't like it, but I think I was in the minority. I think that, I think, I Tom, think Tom probably has a shot at liking it. No. Sure. I know people who liked it. Oh, but I okay. think they're in the minority and we're in the majority. I don't think anyone really liked it. I don't know. I hear people arguing pretty pretty vociferously about why it makes sense. See, if they got to argue that why how it makes sense, then how good can it be? Uh, it doesn't matter if a physicist writes anything that says that the movie could happen. If the story isn't well told, I couldn't care less. What's there to hear? Yeah. All right. What? Uh, what what was Z-Bone talking about? <laughs> he wrote in his top ten. All right, let's hear it, Z-Bone. Uh, the Episode 7 trailer, Too Many Cooks, The Laser Parts, the part of the Jurassic World trailer where Chris Pratt teaches velociraptors to ride motorcycles. Oh, jeez. Uh, these, these aren't movies. I know, I tried to tell him. Okay. Uh, Tom Chick's a faggot. The fuck you story. <laughs> Jesus. Really? Let's be mops. I don't think that's a movie either. Porn. He just wrote R.I.P.D. Oh, that was another. That was, I think, 2013. Uh, that Ron Howard movie about race cars breaking. <laughs> and that's all he wrote. That's eight. He didn't even send in ten. He got to eight, and the last one was that Ron Howard movie with race cards breaking? Yeah, I didn't put numbers either, so I don't know if that's his number one or his number eight. But the fact he didn't put numbers, that's why he probably not. That's why there's not ten of them. He's an idiot. You were well, right. I do appreciate him writing in, though. Thanks, Z-Bone. You thought that would suck, and now look how dumb you feel. See, I always feel dumb, Z-Bone so it doesn't really top. matter. <laughs> <laughs> Beloved character Z-Bone with his top ten of 2014 oh. for Chris Barkardson Archive. He is so beloved. Chris Markinson did actually write in. He sent us his top five. Um, uh, he's the one listener who wrote in. Uh, and Chris's top five are number five, Birdman, number four, The Rover, three, Whiplash, two, Nightcrawler, and number one, Under the Skin. Ah, I noticed no one, the movie Top Five isn't in anyone's top five. And actually, I've heard some weirdly good stuff about that movie. Uh, I saw the trailer. I did too. It looks horrible. But I've heard weirdly good stuff about it. So what are you going to do? All right. So I think we are now at the end of our uh, top, our best of top 10 of 2014 of 2014. Um, 
So next week, uh, you will have to join uh, me, Christian Morosky, and uh, my partner here, Kelly Wand. Oh, partner. It's uh, fun. Yeah, see? Uh, and again, uh, we look forward to Tom being back in uh, in a few weeks, we hope. It will be a surprise when he gets back, but he is recovering apace. We just can't wait for him to get back, so don't worry. He is going to be back. But next week, Kelly and I will be talking about A Most Violent Year, which is the last 2014 movie I saw. Um, and that will be next week's main movie. And then for the Mini Penny Movie Club of Palooza, we will be talking about a movie called House of Games. Mm. So if you get a chance to see either of those movies, please tune in. If you can't get to see A Most Violent Year, because it'll be difficult to see, then rent House of Games, and we will post um, in the thread uh, where you can jump to the to the uh, point in the podcast so that you can join us in a discussion about House of Games. And please send in some comments about House of Games if you do get a chance to see it. Just send them into 3x3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x3 at quarter to 3com Spell out quarter to 3com So uh, I have been Christian Morosky, and I have been joined by Mr. Kelly Wand. You can say that again. Oh, now I get it. Time doesn't exist. I wish I didn't know you, but I do.